Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick. And this is Boobang. You have a bone to pick with the Lakers. Are we going to start off with that right now? With the Lakers? <laughs> you know, it's some anti Lakers uh, hate. Seems appropriate. How many Lakers championships are there? Man, I stopped counting in the 80s. Right. So they officially say 17, right? And the Celtics say the Celtics say 16. So that, that's why they were saying that this this last Lakers championship is the one, right? This is the one that vaulted them past uh, the Celtics. But the problem is, and you know, part of this I'm I'm taking from Bill Simmons, who reminds people all the time. But five of the 17 championships for the Lakers were in Minneapolis. And folks, if you didn't know this. Minnesota is a land of lakes, right? There's 10,000 lakes, quote unquote. And so that's why the the fucking, the reason why the Lakers are called the Lakers in LA, which is ridiculous. It's I still think it's ridiculous um, is because they're from Minneapolis. So I, I agree with Bill Simmons. You should not count those five, uh, even though the championships follow the team um, and obviously 16 in Boston because they never moved. But uh on that note, shouldn't the Warriors count the two Philadelphia Warriors championships? I think on the back of the jersey, it, sh- it says four, it has four times Larry O'Brien trophies. And so shouldn't we count the two in Philadelphia, including um, Wilt's 100-point game in Hershey, Pennsylvania, which I remember going to in 1950-whatever <laughs> or whatever that was? And we do have his bobblehead. We do have, have a Wilt bobblehead, I understand. Do the Lakers have 17 on their whatever on the back of their jersey and and whatnot i think so i mean i the only way for me to find out i've been trying to look it up is to buy one and find out because this is not something people really care about i guess <laughs> why does this matter to you because <laughs> <laughs> i think it's i think it's annoying i think it's annoying if the lakers are counting championships on a different foundation than the warriors are right because then we'll never catch up <laughs> And we all need to decide this now. Yeah, we should um, start a campaign. Uh, I think then if the Lakers do include the ones that they won in Minneapolis, then technically the Warriors should. Yes. You hear that? You hear that, Lakob? Goober? You out there? Thanks. I just feel really bad for Sacramento. Just places that have never won a championship. That's the saddest part. Yeah. I mean, we all we all agree. We both agree that Sacramento should have not have a basketball team, right? They were just lucky enough to have Kevin Johnson as mayor during the time that the team was sold. Do you believe the Suns had Kevin Johnson, uh, Jason Kidd, and Steve Nash all at the same time? Yeah, because they're the same team that had uh, Eric Blitzo, Isaiah Thomas, oh, and who was the third? <laughs> and Goran Dragic. Yeah, so I totally believe it. Yeah. Of course. Uh, Diving into the season, the upcoming season, it was announced recently that the Nets and the Warriors are going to be playing opening night. I love the NBA. I mean, the level of drama, the fact that they understand that this is what fans want, it's Mm -hmm. amazing. I don't know if any other sport does this. Do they just take like, oh, my ex-girlfriend left me and now I'm going to... The next time we meet again, it's going to be on national TV. Is this this is the kind of shit that happens? No, no, in other no, game, no, in definitely other not. It's like this is the game. Obviously, I'm a Warriors fan, but this is the game that has the most intrigue. I mean, there's so much going on between the teams with KD, and then there's just so much going on like 
with with each separate team, right? Like the Nets have no idea what the hell they have, right? They have Katie coming off Achilles, uh, Kyrie who barely played last year, Steve Nash is coach, and then you have the Warriors where I mean, yeah, Steph hasn't played, Wiggins, Wiseman, Ubre, and then you and then you throw in the fact that it's you know it's Kyrie yeah. against the Warriors mm-hmm. still, you know that that gets lost in the fray. Yeah. And then, I mean, Steve Nash is a Bay Area legend also. Let's not, I mean, he's still a mm-hmm. god here, uh, Santa Clara University Broncos. So, I mean, there's so many different levels on here. And yeah, the other game that's closing out is Clippers-Lakers. And that's just like a COVID, that's basically yeah. a COVID bubble. <laughs> so yeah. it's an easy game to set up on opening night. KD is going to like just cram all over uh, Wiggins, Ubre, whoever the hell else tries to guard him. I, I think either the Warriors will win by uh, a squeaker or they will get blown out of the water. <laughs> you know, their they're, they're moving uh, uh, parts have not coalesced yet on such a short uh, turnaround. And uh, they'll just, those flaws will get exposed. Like that's, that's, that's one scenario or that they'll come together and they'll eke out a victory the beginning of the season is going to be a lot different than the end because i think in the beginning of the season the nets will be at their best because they haven't started all the infighting and cat fighting yet uh Kyrie hasn't um flat world everybody and they're not like all these rumors of uh, dinwiddie getting traded and the warriors are just going to get better and better and more cohesive towards the end mm-hmm. of the year so i would say if it's the first game and last game the first game the nets would win and the last game uh, the warriors would win so well, I guess this was more realistic when Clay was not hurt, but this was the the pick for the the finals matchup uh, in in my mind, the one that I obviously wanted to see. I don't believe in Kyrie staying healthy for eighty two games or seventy two uh, games this year. Yeah, I don't believe in it either. But then you know, some people say they don't believe in Steph staying healthy either, and some people don't believe in the world being round. So. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> One thing about Clay I just wanted to quickly mention as a tangent is I have this whole theory and tell me if I'm crazy, but if the Warriors were picked along with all the, the what is it, four or five teams that didn't go to the bubble and they were forced to go to the bubble, I think Clay was still in the, in the tail end of his rehab at the time. I have a theory that he would have went into Orlando and would have stepped up all of the training and, and rehab and wouldn't be in the situation where he had to accelerate his his comeback um, from the um, from the ACL, and the Achilles would not have happened if he started playing or practicing in the bubble. I mean, what do you think of that? I mean, it's it's another what yeah, if. Yeah, it's a but... huge what if. But I mean, the the theories that he was speeding up because they moved the the start of the season, or they decided on December instead of like MLK Day. Um, that could be part of it. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I think that's definitely feasible. Um, he would have been like brought on more, um, more gradually and, and playing in the bubble, they would have eased him into games. You know what I mean? Like he wouldn't have played his regular minutes and uh, just getting like the feel and who knows <laughs> it just sucks that they bring a uh, uh, Rick Celebrini on and, and they're two of their stars tear their Achilles. 
I know it's bad timing. I mean, basically, if I if I drove a car cross country for five straight seasons and then just handed you the car keys, right? <laughs> you know, you're yeah. gonna get a flat tire. Yeah, I think a bunch of people and then in Warriors fandom were were pining for Chelsea Lane. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I'm excited about the Christmas Day um, game for sure. But I, I I am overall, I'm just gonna be excited just to watch this team as a fan and not necessarily pining for the the championship. Um, the Christmas Day games have always stressed me out because I just know they've always played terrible on Christmas for some reason. I have this whole theory about Steph concentrating more on his family on, on the on the Lord's Day <laughs> than, than actual basketball. Um, but, I mean, I, I it's going to be fun to see uh, the Bucks Warriors. I mean... I mean, I really hope that they, uh, Steph and Giannis at the end, just like have a long like hug and chat and they're just like speaking <laughs> each other messages because that's, they know that's going to cause like so much turmoil uh, for, for, for the next year. Do you think he's going to sign? Did he? We have, to, yeah, we have till December 22nd to find out if Giannis is going to Yeah, sign. I mean, he hasn't signed yet uh, that I know of. Have you been to Milwaukee? Uh, I've driven past it. I went to college in Chicago and I had a friend who, I had a couple of friends who went to Wisconsin. Madison, so I used to drive through it. No, past it. But no, I never stopped. <laughs> I mean, for people who just keep thinking about Giannis staying in Milwaukee, like I really want you to visit Milwaukee between the months of October and June and just let me know what you think of it. It's just, I just don't see how any super, super duper star stays in a city like Milwaukee over time. I mean, you, we literally have a blueprint for what happens and it's Lou Alcindor going to LA. So it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think he'll stay. I think he'll sign the Supermax and then just push for a trade. I I think all the Bucks moves, they remind me of the Cavs moves during the Warriors run, uh, where they had LeBron, they were just trying to band-aid a roster together. Like Drew Holiday is a great pickup, but He's 30, 31 years or 30 years old. And when people talk about Drew Holiday, like he's, he's, he's great, but like, he's like that second tier of point guard, right? Yeah. And how far has Drew gotten into the playoffs? I mean, how, how yeah, deep has he gotten too? They botched the whole Bogdanovich thing. And so it just looks kind of like a clown show. It is. And yeah. you know, but that might be a Sacramento clown show. We know we're not, we're not sure whose rodeo this is. It might be. It might be Milwaukee. It might be Sacramento. The thing yeah. about the thing about the Supermax is, I don't think the intention was. I mean, it, it might have been the intention to to convince a superstar to stay in the city. Um, it's not enough money though. Like they're making money in other ways. The real intention is that the team that originally has that player is able to get value for that player when they're traded. They have more incentive to sign and trade either right away or later on the line and push for a trade um, to go to the team that they want to go to rather than just walk away uh, for the money. Like if we, we don't forget, but like, I think this still pertains, but KD, I mean, that was technically a sign in trade. Like all of these things are, are they can still do sign in trades um, to get value yeah. for what it is, what they're worth. Yeah. And like we've seen untradeable contracts get traded, right? There is, there's no such thing as an untradeable contract. That's literally what happened this year. Four or five untradeable contracts got traded. So exactly. And if we count, starting with Wiggins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's always going to be bigger contracts down the road, right? Yeah. That are even more untradeable. Yeah. You know, everybody talks about, 
you know, Clay's contract now. Speaking of untradeable con- contracts, I mean, this Harden, I mean, the, the rumors of the Warriors calling up the Rockets to ask about Harden. I mean, how truthful do you think that is? I mean, everybody's sniffing around, right? Like it's it's the Bob Myers line of like uh, you just – or every GM's line about, you know, you just – you check, right? Like you do your due diligence. And how serious? Mm, probably <laughs> probably not that serious. I, I think they probably asked, you know, and see to see what the uh, – what the deal would be or what they would be interested in. And then, you know, that was it. My guess. I don't know. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, obviously they offered, um, Eric Pascal and, um, Minnesota's tip pick and James Wiseman, the pick for James Wiseman and Andrew Mm -hmm. Wiggins, I'd imagine as a starting point. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. I, I do not want Harden. I don't want him either, man. I want to see him play with John Wall. Like, you know, league, like pass, league pass rockets. That'd be awesome. What did Houston get for for Chris Paul? They got Westbrook, and then they had to send over a bunch of picks, right? Oh yeah. I mean that was so, what, that was what the big deal was. I mean so that's part that of the reason was, why they did this trade was to get back a first round pick. Right. It so, was two picks and two swap swap pick swaps. Yeah. So Chris Paul, I mean Harden's played with with uh, uh, three big name point guards if you include Wall at this point. But Chris Paul was like the best match for him. And now you're going to have John Wall, who I think is going to be a worse match than Westbrook because he's trying to prove himself. Yeah. And I mean, at least Harden and Westbrook were friends. Uh, I'm not saying that, like, I, I don't know if Wall and Harden are friends, but, you know, they don't have the familiarity of playing like an OKC together, at least for, for a year or two. My question is, who's dribbling the ball? <laughs> exactly, man. Like, even more ball dominant, maybe, because he's trying to come back and prove that he's still John Wall. I mean, we're fucking spoiled. The fact that, in some ways, Steph Curry is better without the ball. We're just fucking spoiled. I just think people have been sleeping on Steph. I think he's been underrated for the last couple of years. Granted, he missed the whole season last year. But we'll see. Like, this is the season where... He's the lone offensive star, and we'll see if that gravitational pull is 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 real, even though he's a little bit older. Now, what do you think? I mean, this came up a few times the past few weeks, but what do you think about him retiring as a warrior? I would hate it. No. Uh, Uh, I think he will, and that's great. You know, it's it's hard to predict because you don't know what the moves are going to be. I think right. I think it's easy to predict because first of all, he's Steph Curry. He's gonna get a fucking statue. I mean, the reason why the Chase Center has a big open plaza in the front is because there's gonna be a fucking there's gonna be a Hamptons Five statue there. Like if 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 God forbid they do the same thing as as Staples Center, which is like five random statues that were picked because of um, for God knows because of the people that own the Staples Center or whatever the fuck the reason. They're going to do the same type of tribute to the Hamptons Five. At the very least, Steph in the front of that plaza. But the thing about him versus any other player is that we know what his game is going to be like when he's 37, 38 years old. He's going to be a Kyle Korver, Ray Allen, just like corner three, just like 
just threes. I mean, he's just gonna. I mean, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a problem getting him open again because of whatever quickness he might lose. But he's not gonna be an aging person that has to depend on his any sort of um, any sort of physical um, exertion or power over another player. Listen, I think he's gonna end up playing for the Warriors for his whole career. As if he wants to, right? If there's any reason whatsoever that he that he wants to go back to Charlotte, that's the only other place I could ever see him playing. And um, as I uh, alluded to, like he could be, uh, you know, catching like corner uh, passes from from Lamelo Ball and, and jacking up threes. You know, <laughs> the only other option I think that might happen, and this is the Warriors pulling a fast one, but this was mentioned in one of our group chats about what Vivek. Radadive does in Sacramento is Steph at 41 is still very valuable to Vivek and the Kings. Like they would trade a King's ransom for an aging Steph Curry. And it'll be hard for the Warriors to be like, uh, you want to give us two first round picks and three pick swaps? Uh, <laughs> you know what I can see happening in that respect? It'd be like the, the Celtics uh, Nets trade, right? It's like they would trade like Clay, Steph, and Draymond <laughs> in their late thirties, <laughs> uh, for for like a, a King's ransom in a in in draft pick. I can see that happening, and and that could be like, yes, yes. And it's like yeah, yes. and like when you come back to retire, your statues will already be up yeah. by the by the beginning of the season. Yeah, but Vivek would totally do it. By the way, I, what's your take on statues for athletes, particularly basketball players, in front of? stadiums i think if it's done right then it's great i remember jumping the fence at the united center to get a glimpse at the at the jordan statue which i think they moved now it's no longer like in the parking lot or in the front in a really random spot i think it's inside the arena now Mm. um but like there's good statues i think the really i mean the saddest statue i've ever seen and this is not the same sport but is the colorado rockies they've never had a player that that warranted a statue. And so they have this sort of like fallen soldier statue of the unnamed baseball player that commemorates <laughs> all baseball players. And I was like, please, Lord, don't let any of our teams be that team that doesn't get a statue. So in some ways it's good that you actually have a statue because you know that there's a good team. Like imagine, I remember going out to Portland and joke, I was drunk, like running around, <laughs> running around the Rose garden at the time called the Rose garden. Um, asking people where the um, Cliff Robinson statue was <laughs> or like asking them. Um, yeah. Just asking them where all the statues were. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, so you're just kind of like being a jerk. Yeah. I was, I was being a jerk. No, that's, that's yeah. funny. Those, that is kind of funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That? I mean the Drexler, I should have said Drexler. I think Drex, I think I might've said Drexler. It's yeah, a little bit fuzzy. There's something about uncle Cliffy. Which makes it funnier. Okay. <laughs> so the fact that you asked about who yeah. I love, uh, Cliffy RIP. I have a Cliff Robinson um, collectible Burger King cup that has him playing a Sega Genesis. I think it's one of my most valuable possessions. So oh, wow. yeah. I do appreciate the man. Yeah. I, I think it'd be funny if they if they built a statue for Dame and it's like him shooting a three from a parking lot. I thought that I think that'd be pretty funny. Oh, that would be funny. Or like, you know, him shooting over Paul George. Hey, Paul George, you have a statue in Portland. <laughs> or just his meme, the like, you know, the meme of him like in the in the crowd of all of his teammates looking yeah. at the camera. That was amazing. <laughs> I have something to say about Dame is I have a theory that if Steph Curry did not exist, 
like as a person at all, can you imagine how crazy Warrior fans would be like begging for Dame? Like I remember wanting Jason Kidd so bad to come back to the Bay, but like the amount of sheer like love of of Dame that the Bay would want. Like if if Steph didn't exist, the fact that Steph exists means like it, it, he's an afterthought in a lot of ways. I mean, I think Dame was would be more beloved than Jason Kidd was, not because like he's a better player, but just because he his he just comes off as a more interesting, more engaging, uh, genuine person. He has, you know, he has more of a presence here too. Like he still does a a, a barbecue out in the park here in Oakland. Um, Gary Payton and Jason Kidd do not like represent Alameda or Oakland as nearly as much as Dame. Kid, I saw him play in the, yeah. in the Coliseum in high school. Yeah. Oh, you did? Because uh, we had all heard this is pre internet days in terms of like pre. <laughs> I, I think there was an internet, but it was just like the people in the computer lab that would use it. I would walk in and be like, What are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm talking to somebody. Oh, where? Oh. Like uh, other side of the country. Okay, cool. And that was the internet. Um, but uh, so we had all heard about Jason Kidd, this guy who was like amazing. And then we all went to go see him play Modern Day in the Coliseum. And we didn't know what he looked like. We didn't know which one he was. So uh, <laughs> it took a it took a second. And, you know, I mean, this is pregame, right? Obviously, like once they started the game, you knew who he was. And he was he was awesome. I mean, he was so dominant. Uh, he was faster than everybody else. And in high school, like he was pretty much the same size. Uh, and he was like, he had like a wide body and um, he was more athletic than everybody else. The people on modern day that were as athletic as him were like smaller and I was, yeah, I was impressed. I saw him at a pro-am game in San Francisco at Kizar, I think his first or second year in the league. And he shot 30, 30 to 35 three-pointers because I think he was working on them and he made like four. <laughs> he was not doing a good job. Yeah. I remember walking to the bathroom and, almost, and run, accidentally bumping into him. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I really enjoy pro apps. Yeah. He always had like a wonky looking shot. I just remember at, uh, uh, he was still at St. Joe's. I was at a, I used to go to Cal football games in high school and I had some friends who would just, they would like yell at him. They'd be like, Jason, hey, yo, Jason, Jason. And then he was just learning his fame because he would start to turn and then he would stop. You know, <laughs> he's like, oh, is it a friend he's of mine? The reason why, he's the reason why I went to Cal. I saw. I was watching the Cal um, Duke game, and when 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 Cal won that game, I was like, "Oh my god, I want to go to the school, Cal!" Like I don't know anything else about the school, and I remember running downstairs and telling my mom, "I'm going to school at Cal," and she's like, "What the hell is that? That sounds like a stupid American school. You're going to Berkeley. You're only going to UC Berkeley." And I was like, "That sounds like a school for nerds." And then, like five years later, I realized it was the same school. <laughs> See, I always call it Cal because people who just look at it as a academic institution call it Berkeley. I grew up being a huge Cal fan. Like I was a big, uh, like I said, KJ fan, and that whole era of <laughs> the whole the Todd Bozeman era. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Todd Bozeman era was the reason why I couldn't watch an NCAA game my first two, three years at Cal. Uh, but we, we were NIT champions though, my freshman year. So there's that. 
Gino Gino Carlisle, I think, was the best player we had that year. Oh uh, yeah, that he was a Northwestern transfer. <laughs> <laughs> I have his jersey. If anybody wants his jersey, I have his jersey. So Andrew Bogut, uh, our first love at center. <laughs> um, he's, he, he announces retirement apparently on, uh, on his podcast. Uh, Lord knows what he talks about on his podcast, but, uh, what's, uh, what, what fond thoughts, memories do you have of the Australian assassin? I, my two takes about Bogut. The first is it took us how many years to get the center that we wanted, um, the second is, this is back when Lake of first, um, when he first bought the Warriors, right? And I remember him saying, and this is all over the news, is that he said that they were not going to tank. They were going to make every single move that they were going to make was going to be to help the team immediately to win games, right? And then right after he said that, he traded Monte Ellis, who was totally healthy and a fan favorite, for Bogut, who all, we all know it was a good deal. But at the time, he had a broken foot or a broken ankle. ankle. Like he literally couldn't play the rest of the year. And so, what gets lost in the mix is that Lakeup, a few weeks later or months later, whatever, goes to Chris Mullins' retire, jersey retirement thing um, and speaks, and the whole entire crowd boos him. Right. Mm-hmm. I was there. I did not boo. I was just laughing because I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super awkward because he couldn't say anything and we could see it live. But everybody was like, why are the Warrior fans booing him? Like, what did he do wrong? And what he did wrong was he lied. Like, he outright lied. He said every single move that they were going to make was going to be to help the team immediately. And trading a healthy player for an injured player that's injured for the rest of the year is not that move. And it would have been totally fine if he said it was for basketball reasons and I messed up. I didn't mean win immediately. I mean long-term health. But he never said that. He never backtracked and apologized for that. And that's the reason why they booed. It wasn't because they hated Lakeup. It's because he lied about that one specific fact and that none of the national media mentions it because it's a very, very nuanced local thing. Uh, right. Yeah, that's my take. Was that a popular – I mean, did everyone know that he had said that? Because the, the take now is that everybody loved Monte, so they booed him. That's it. That's the take now. But back then, I think people could could see that it was a basketball move. And they might have loved Monte Ellis, and it might have been, quote-unquote, true Warrior fans that were saying that. But I think if you looked at it from a 10,000-foot 10, level – you would have known that it's a great basketball move to get a to get Bogut at the time for the following year, but to have an owner say that every single move that they make was going to make an immediate impact improvement for the immediate. I mean, he kept. I, I don't know what the exact words were, but he said it was going to be for an immediate win. So, I wasn't around when that happened. I saw it happen on TV. I. Loved the Bogut train. I wanted. I was super happy to get a center. Um, I wanted to get rid of Monte, uh, and I thought it was a great trade at the time. And so, are, are you saying that like people in the Bay, they had the same nuanced perspective for the most part? I can't. I can't speak for the other Warrior fans, but in the moment when I was there, and I went to the game because I wanted that Chris Mullen bobblehead because it was a run <laughs> TNC bobblehead promotion year. You that are, year. You, That's why I went to that game. You are the collector. I have man. a lot of bobbleheads. <laughs> and so 
I remember at the moment, I'm like, yeah, they're booing him because he said this and that about win immediately. Um, and then years later, ever since after that, they were saying it's because Monte was a fan favorite. I personally was just like out after Moped Gate. Mm-hmm. And so I was totally out on him. But at the time, I was like, yeah, they're booing him because Lakeup lied. But this whole narrative about Monte being a fan favorite, I mean, between me and you, we knew that Bogut would be a better player long term mm-hmm. than Monte. Yeah. And he, it, it it was just minutes being taken away from Steph. So yeah. I don't. I just think that's totally lost in the conversation. Yeah, yep. I mean, it was also minutes being taken away from Clay, right? Like, yeah. Monte was the face of the franchise, and they draft a point guard. Okay, you can play more off ball. We'll draft Clay Thompson. <laughs> Bogut was just, I mean, he was a number one pick. Like, if you look at all the number one picks that came through, I mean, between Wiggins and Bogut, yeah. and, I mean, it's just crazy. We can't even land on our own number one picks. Yeah. I don't know if you've gone back at all ever in the last, you know, five seven years whatever and watch any bogut highlights uh playing for the utes he was a hell of a player before all those injuries and everything and he had like uh the ability to put the ball in the bucket and that's what he was drafted for right for for being all around center and then um you know he just became like a defensive specialist but i love bogut if if you think about all of if you think about all the players best selves coming out of college um you know, I think for Steph, it's stratosphere. Like it's astronomical, his best self. Like this is his best self. For Clay, I think it's 90% of his best self. Like we couldn't have expected more. I know people are being uh, like you are selfish and say, you know, we need, we could have gotten a lot more out of these past two years, but it's still pretty amazing what we got out of him. With Bogut and a guy like Sean Livingston, I mean, to be able to salvage all of those injuries and like, the the stakes that were so high when they were first drafted to be able to end up where they were i mean it's not the best self the best self would have been crazy um you know hall of famer um but it's still pretty impressive Mm -hmm. to have all of these ebbs and flows and uh, you know the heights of their careers being with the warriors that is another episode of the oakland warriors podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out at Oakland Warriors on Twitter and OaklandWarriors.com. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs. Go Dubs.